backgrounds of interesting individuals and how they intersect with our building industry in Iowa. I'm your host Ben Hammes and I'm going to bring to you topics that help educate, develop, grow, and enhance you and your company. All right well good morning Jeff thanks for joining the podcast today. Good morning great to be here. Coming to us from Kennesaw Georgia. Yes all the way. You a football fan? You know I, I I'm the football that I follow is my University of Georgia, where I went to school and graduated a long time ago, 1986, uh, right after we won our first, our first national championship, and now we're kind of a, on a roll now, and it's great to follow. So I do watch Georgia uh, Georgia football, but that's well, about it. You've been spoiled these last couple of years. I have, and I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, Jeff, uh, can you do a quick introduction? Talk to us uh, about who you are, um, and then explain to me the really, really unique middle or a a name that you're I believe have been given uh, over your career oh my goodness well um you know I go by Odie and um of course that call sign was given to me by my squadron mates in my fighter squadron so I became a fighter pilot back when that first Top Gun movie came out and I thought I was going to get one of those real cool call signs like Maverick, Viper, Iceman but that is uh, all Hollywood stuff. And um, <laughs> they, they basically name you after your characteristic of personality, maybe what you look like. For me, though, my personality most mimicked that dog, Odie. Yeah. So always happy, tail wagging, tongue hanging out. So they tagged me with that. And I've been Odie ever since. Oh, great. How long did you serve in the Air Force? Um, I was in for six years. Um, right after college, um, I went into the Air Force in uh, 1986, and I was a venerable A-10 Warthog fighter pilot. So I was one of the uh, the guys that back then flew the A-10, and it was fantastic. Had no idea the legs that it would have uh, on it uh, through all these years, But because back then, uh, most of our mission, we flew at 100 feet off the ground and 400 miles an hour. Um, and, and the only requirement to be an A-10 pilot was only two. You had to be short and you had to be stupid. And if you were real, if you were real stupid, they waived the height requirements. <laughs> so, so that was a lot of fun, young man's game. But from that, uh, I became an, uh, an airline pilot, which I, I still currently do. Uh, and have been doing for the past 32 years. Basically, back uh, when the Wright brothers started flying, that's when I got my start. So uh, mm. I've been doing this a long time, and uh, and I tend to learn a lot, or have learned a lot through um, trial and error. And you don't get many second chances in aviation, and the same as in the construction industry or any industry where you're working in a high risk and dangerous work environment. Man, you screw it up, make make a mistake, uh, take a quick shortcut. How your day ends up can be just a matter of luck and physics. Well, and that's what we're going to be hitting on at the Winter Conference, I think, in your speech. And we're very excited to bring you. We're going to have you Wednesday uh, as our keynote for the lunch and then also a breakout session, I know, Wednesday afternoon. So perfect. let's back up real quick, though. That A-10, you shot some big cannons, some big bullets out of that 
You know, that thing, yeah. I tell you what, that when you pull the trigger on that thing uh, for the first time, it's just really, you smell the quartite in the cockpit, the thrust of the gun, the recoil, I should say, when you pull the trigger, the recoil is equal to one engine in max power. So there's a wives tale that says, oh, if you pull the trigger long enough, the airplane will stop in the air. Well, that's not true mm. <laughs> because you wouldn't have a very effective weapon system. But each bullet weighs a pound and a half. Each bullet travels at two miles per second, hits with a half a million foot pounds of energy. And we shot them at a rate of 4,200 rounds a minute. That's 70 rounds per second coming out of the nose of that airplane and tremendous firepower. Um, wow. So that's what the airplane was designed around was the gun. Um, and there were several reasons for that. We can go into long detail and I would love to hang out and chit chat. We could talk flying all day. <laughs> yeah, well, that's great. So uh, did I hear that you started actually flying when you were 14? I did when I was 14 and I soloed at 16, got my private pilot's license on my 17th birthday. And then on when I was 18, uh, I began pulling banners I, I through college. That's what I did for a living um, was pull banners every summer up and down Myrtle Beach. Mm. Then I would take a, one of those banner tow airplanes back to college and pull banners over all the football games in the Southeast. I mean, we're talking Clipson, Auburn, Alabama. We play, I, I pulled over Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Braves, Talladega, Motor Speedway. I mean, I was making money in college. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So you've seen, I mean, flying from 14 to uh, your career, I mean, you've seen the safety standards in the airline industry change dramatically. A hundred percent. As with any industry, um, you have to make changes. And if you think about it, let's say in, in any industry 20, 30 years ago, you know, we were hurting and killing a lot of people back then by today's standard. So when you start making changes, really it was changes in culture, changes in expectation, changes in training. The mindset had to change because when you are trying to produce a product, a quality product, um, and you're hurting and killing people to do it, pretty soon you're going to be out of business. And the airlines realized we had to change our culture and, and our training. And, uh, and that meant instituting a program called CRM, Crew Resource Management, which gave more people the power to speak up, encouraged uh, more listening from the captains, the leaders, and then make their decisions. So it, it's a slow change as with anything, but, um, uh, but I saw, I've seen a step change from where it was 34 years ago to where it is today. It's much safer, but we're still working on it. Well, there's a lot of airlines that used to be in, in uh, used to be flying even in the late nineties, two thousands that aren't flying anymore. Do you see some of the, I mean, obviously there's business decisions that have been made, blah, blah, blah. But do you think that the, some of those airlines that aren't around anymore, were not adaptable to those changes and moving into the, to the, the, on the safety standard side? You know, that's a good question. I'm sure it played uh, into it, but as with any business, um, that's run by corporate leadership. And when you have a failure in, in uh, overall leadership, safety does come as a byproduct of superb value-based leadership. And where leadership goes down, quality goes down, productivity, timeliness, and of course, safety suffers as well. So that all plays a part. It's sort of death by a thousand cuts. Well, this mixes in a lot with what we preach here from, from MBI's perspective with our members. Um, you know, we hear stories of contractors that didn't feel the need to adapt to the times, whether it be safety or anything else. And they're no longer in business. hundred um, percent. And so we talk about that. We preach that and we're appreciative of you bringing that message to uh, our conference this year. Who else? Give us an idea. Who else do you work with on, on the speaking circuit? Have you worked with other contractor groups, construction um, companies? 
I have done a number of the, uh, there's so many out there. Uh, uh, Balfour Beattie is, uh, I've done a number for those guys. Um, but to, to name them all um, would be difficult because when I'll go in, for example, um, Southern Nuclear, when they were doing their, their huge, uh, the plant Vogel, when they were, and it was originally Westinghouse, they went bankrupt. Um, and then Southern, and Southern Company took it over. I spoke to 10,000 construction workers and they were a mm. mix of all over and I, that was over a course of two days and um and the message that i give them is pretty much parallel to what any high performing construction manufacturing petroleum chemical um any company whose employees work in a high risk and dangerous work environment like you folks do like mm -hmm. a fighter pilot would um would want to have someone from outside the industry like me come in and talk and preach a parallel message. And I'm not telling you how to do your job. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you why you do it a certain way. Yeah. And I certainly have made some mistakes and I call it, it's really leadership. Um, uh, I, I don't really talk about safety, so to speak, because safety, quality, productivity, those three things that you're looking for to advance your business, those three things will come as a byproduct of personal leadership on the job. Mm -hmm. And I can share with your group uh, something that I did, a mistake that I made, and it, it haunted me to this day. And I still talk about it. You know, I lost uh, someone in aviation and I won't give it away just yet, but it was a crash. And a contributing factor to that was my on the job behavior as a leader of that job, something I did that person saw it and it influenced their future behavior mm -hmm. down the road to take a similar shortcut. And that contributed to their loss of life. So I simply share that story with your audience and then share with them. What did I learn from that? What did mm -hmm. I take away to help me grow? And, and the idea is that I don't want anybody else there in the audience to experience what I went through. Um, so it, it, that's why you ha have people like me come in and share my experience because, you know, you got to learn from others and you won't live long enough to make all those mistakes on your own. <laughs> well, it's a very compelling. I'm, I'm, I know our audience is going to be excited in a, in a sobering way to hear the message that yeah. you have and the story that you have. I, I know a little bit about it because I've done a little bit of research, but I know that everybody else is going to, uh, walk away from this very very uh, touched and, and motivated for change. Now, what about the breakout that will make this unique? Can you give them a flavor of the difference between what you're going to address in the keynote and then the breakout session? Yeah. So the breakout session is more of less of me standing up there running my suit cooler for, uh, you know, 40 minutes because my keynote is not going to be that long. And then uh, during the breakout session, I'm going to get more into the weeds of, uh, job culture versus company culture. In other words, mm -hmm. how we do it out on the job every day, that's the job culture. That's how it is done. And then company culture is the way it should be done. And every one of us out there working, I'm sure you've seen this. I know I've seen it in the cockpit. Sometimes job culture can run subcurrent and substandard to the way it should be done. And we all have responsibility when we're out there working to make sure those two cultures run congruent and the same. Um, and I'm going to share with them a very powerful aviation antidote where that uh, uh, failed. And, and actually, they can look it up if they want. Um, 
um, Darker Shades of Blue, written by Major Tony Kern. Okay, so Darker okay. Shades of Blue, written by Tony Kern. It, it gets the wave tops of a B-52 accident that the airplane was flown by a gentleman named Bud Holland. And we've learned uh, about that in, in, uh, in when I was in the Air Force. Um, and it's a very powerful message. So it, they don't have to read it beforehand. I'm just going to hit the wave tops of it. And we'll, we'll talk briefly about that. And then I'd like to open it up to, to them and hear their feedback, get, get some of their thoughts and ideas. Um, because it's not about me at the end of the day. It's about them. What are some of their issues they're facing? So, uh, and the way I kind of set it up is like, hey, if you're ever at home and you were to get a phone call and, and you were told that an accident happened, would you be able to, if that person told you to guess, guess who it was or guess what it was, would you be able to guess? Mm. So my thing is, who are your Bud Hollands? <laughs> who is that individual that you know in the back of your mind um, if something were to happen, that's that person. Um, and it's not to call an individual out or name names, obviously. It's just what are we doing to change the way it's done around here just to keep improving our process performance safety wise. Well, we're really looking forward to it. Folks, this is Jeff Odie Espenship, E-S-P-E-N-S-H-I-P from a company called Target Leadership. It's going to be joining us again at the Winter Conference on Wednesday for our safety luncheon as a keynote and then a breakout. Jeff, where can uh, Odie? I'm sorry, Odie. Yes, where can right. everybody? Where can everybody find you online? Um, they can go to targetleadership.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, so if you just Google my name, Jeff Odie Espenship, it'll run you right to my website, and you can read a little bit more about me there. So, um, and love to hear from you. Love to hear feedback. Great. Well, make sure you get a winter coat before you make your way on up here to the Midwest at the end of February. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to it, brother. I tell you, I always have a very enjoyable time at these groups. I, and I personally learn a lot uh, because guess what? I'm out there getting it done every single day, flying airplanes halfway around the world. And I get to hear from high performing uh, folks that are in the audience. And I take away things every day and I, and I learn and I appreciate it. Great. We look forward to seeing you. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, brother. Have Thanks, a great everybody. day. It's been real. Okay, folks, we're very excited to tell you about our annual winter conference coming up on February 27th and 28th, 2024. We're going to have a record-setting attendance this year, capped with even better speakers than what you've even come to expect in the years past. We're going to be down at the Iowa Event Center again. Look for registration information to come out very, very soon. Check our website at www.mbi.build, and we'll see you at the annual winter conference.